there, everybody. I want to welcome you to the very first episode of the Weekly Dust-Up. I'm your host, Dallas Reed. And each week, we're just going to examine some hot button-pressing issues in the sports world and discuss what's going on with my fantasy baseball team, as well as my teams around the sports world. So why do you ask why you should listen to this podcast? Well, that's a very good question. And my reasoning for starting this, I'm just your average hardcore sports fan, squeak in some time for fantasy here and there, but I'm a dad, so I don't have a a lot of time in a week to chat with my buddies about what's happening, so I figured this would be about as good a platform as any. So each week I plan on having one of my buddies guest host with me. They can give you a little bit of information about their teams, where they feel they're currently at. And then we can banter back and forth about whether I think their team is dog shit and they think mine is. So, um, yeah, that's about it. Hope you enjoy listening. Feel free to ridicule me for the teams I cheer for. Everybody else seems to, so it's not a big deal. But first, why don't I let you know a little bit about me as a sports fan. So, uh, first and foremost, I'm a hockey guy. I'm an Oilers fan. So that's the first team I take ridicule for cheering for, but I really don't give a shit, to be totally honest. I was born the year the best hockey team ever assembled was. That's the 1985 Oilers. So just by default, I think you got to cheer for them. And I mean, right now they got the studliest dynamic duo in the NHL. So it's hard not to be optimistic. They give you hopes all the time. They're playing well this year, so... I mean, let's hope they keep it going, right? But that's been a lot of tough tough times through the last few years as a fan, but you got to support your club. That's, that's the ups and downs of being a fan, you know? So um, dip over to the baseball world, and I'm a Philadelphia Phillies fan, which I also take a lot of ridicule for, mostly because everybody's Jays fans out here, and nobody can understand how I cheer for the Phillies, but... I mean, I fucking hate Toronto-based sports teams, so it's kind of hard to justify cheering for the Jays. even got my little guy convinced to cheer for the Phillies, so he's three. Um, I mean, to know that he's brainwashed, he was as excited as I was the day they signed JT Realamuto, so I know I got that little guy on board. I got a nine-month-old daughter who people are buying her Jays onesies, but... Maybe I'll relinquish that a little bit, but as long as I can brainwash my little guy to cheer for the Phillies, that's all that matters. But, I mean, the team on paper looks good this year. It's a good start to the weekend. Beating, sweeping the Braves is always nice, but 3-0 and on a season, and they're not handing you the World Series after that. So, I mean, they got a good roster. They assess some glaring needs in the offseason. They're not, you know miles ahead of where they should be but the NL East is tough it's going to be a crapshoot that division is going to come down to who plays the best within that division so I mean if you look at the most well-rounded division in that entire baseball that NL East has probably got to be it so something to look forward to we'll see how things go but yeah team I probably take the most ridicule for cheering for is the Cincinnati Bengals so I uh Started cheering for them back in the Carson Palmer days. I'm a USC fan, so I, uh, you know, made that decision. 
get drafted by the Bengals organization. And, I mean, yeah, it's hard. Your team team's not always winning. You can get into the playoffs, you're losing. They haven't won a playoff game since 1991. So, yeah, I mean, as a fan, you struggle. You seem to have optimism every year, but it just gets crushed by week six or seven. So not much you can do. And basketball, again, the refusal of Toronto teams. Uh, NBA Jam back in the day, Shaq and Penny. I'm a Magic fan. Always have been. Um, that team's in a bit of disarray right now. I mean, I'm still mad they traded Oladipo back back to back to the day when they got Ibaka. I mean, essentially, they traded Victor Oladipo for Terrence Ross in their grand scheme of things. So the team is a bit of a mess. I don't even know what kind of optimism to have there. They have good young guys and they got a bunch of picks, but one of their first round picks is until like 2025. I don't know how the hell you can do that in the NBA, but apparently it's a thing. So, And then lastly, big soccer or football guy, Chelsea fan. This is one of my teams that's actually doing well this year. Fourth in the EPL, final eight of Champs League. Big week this week coming up. So, you know, those are kind of my teams in a nutshell. I'll do a little breakdown of all of them after. But that's uh, that's where I wear my heart. And I got a fantasy baseball draft. Not too keen about fantasy anymore. I don't mind doing the DraftKings when I got time. But I feel like just that stuff requires so much time and I haven't really learned how to juggle life with two kids yet to be able to do all that. So I'm in a fantasy baseball draft with some of my buds. And uh, considering I had two screaming kids in the house, I feel like I drafted not a bad team. So, um, yeah, 7-7 after the first three days with the guy. So it'll be a battle. But, hey, that's the way she goes. So... Another thing I want to cover is just people's takes on how things play out in this sports world and the level of care. So I guess the first big issue, the criminal case finally coming out against Deshaun Watson. And I mean, you got to you got to feel for the guy you're getting put served up on a platter without, you know, a lot of details not being given. But I hate to say it, Deshaun, if 18 people are accusing you, you're probably guilty on a couple like let's face it you know I mean there's probably some kind of skeezy behavior going on for sure especially when 18 women are willing to come out and say that you didn't do that there's a lot of murky murky water so I'll be interested to see how this plays out for Deshaun but it's yeah like I said it's always it's always funny when you get that many accusations it's hard to you know someone accuses you of stealing cookie out of the cookie jar 20 times there's a good chance you took it at least one of those 20 times you know so just because you don't get caught with your hand in the cookie jar doesn't mean it wasn't in there right so that's that it's my take it's interesting to see how it folds out i think the lawyer for all these women is an absolute scumbag but watson's lawyer doesn't seem to be any better he just calling people out wanting names so it's interesting it's always happening, you know, some of these guys, 
I shouldn't say always, that's a very strong word, but it just, yeah, it just happens and it's unfortunate. It's one of those things, guys, I don't, you know, take for granted as professional athletes is, especially nowadays, people are just looking for an easy buck just to fuck you over. So can't, uh, I hope it works out for Deshaun. I hope he wasn't a sleaze bag. I mean, let's face it, sleaze bag to some point. You know, girls giving you a rub down, you expect a handy maybe because you're Deshaun Watson. I'm not sure. I've never been uh, been in that position to really pull that card, so I wouldn't know. But um, other big thing, I haven't really been watching much of the tournament. I used to love betting on it, but the end of that Gonzaga-UCLA game last night, whew, on the topic of sports betting, I wish somebody would have told me at the start of the tournament that play in UCLA, I didn't even think they were going to beat Michigan State was going to go to the final four like think of like disgusting betting odds sometimes and it's like you know the night before the tournament you just have a dream and just the most random thing just tells you you know it's like you don't even want to be greedy about it it's just a little thing maybe I make like five six k off of and I know that's not greedy but that is greed but at the end of the day a guy could be asking for five six hundred thousand just asking for five you know so but it's crazy to see a half-court buzzer beater, especially when Buddy gets his own rebound and then just how that whole thing kind of unfolded. It was just like he wanted the ball. It was like it was meant to happen. It was just so fluid how it all went. And say la vie, Baylor-Gonzaga tomorrow night. So top two teams all year. It's kind of one of the first times in recent years where it's really been the two teams who have been the top two teams all year meeting in the final. But, I mean... In a strange COVID world where a guy hits a half-court buzzer beater in the final four to basically nobody in the stands is yeah, weird. The tournament's been weird without the, the fandom. It's kind of weird to watch, follow, but it's kind of the sports world we're living in these days. So fans are starting to come to games. It'll It'll get there. It'll get there. But I guess go there, break down kind of a little little bit where I feel like my teams are at right now I mean keep it short and sweet with the Bengals there I'm hoping Sewell falls to them at five I mean if we could get an offensive line two good guys to be blocking Joe for a long time and there's pieces around him it's just protecting the guy the Bengals used to be really good at drafting but the last few years they've been kind of eh so as it stands right now, I mean, the AFC North is a tough division, so I don't think, don't expect much from the Bengals in the next year or two, but hopefully build within. I'm surprised they kept Zach Taylor as coach, to be totally honest, especially with the dysfunction in the locker room. So I don't know if that was just a changing of the guard at the vets or what, but that's kind of, we're waiting to see mode, but my hopes aren't high for the Bengals this year, so... We'll see. They're high every year, but sometimes you gotta you have high hopes and realistic hopes, and some teams you gotta have realistic hopes with. And unfortunately, right now that's where I'm at with my Bengals. So we'll keep grinding through, but I think we're gonna have a lean a lean year here coming up. So it won't be as lean as my Magic, though. I'll assess them next. <laughs> NBA's. It seems to be that you just build a super team, so. I mean, out of six NBA teams right now, you can tell me which two will be in the final pretty much, or roughly, out of the six teams. So 
I mean, Orlando blew it up pretty good at the deadline. <coughs> Needed to be done. Um, would have liked to have seen what this team could have done if they had never traded Victor Oladipo. Um, yeah, I went to a, my first Magic game f- probably going on six years ago and I bought an Oladipo and a Vucevic jersey. So now after this trade led done, both of those guys are officially gone. So, I mean, the Magic have some good young guys coming up. Jonathan Isaac's going to be a defensive rim rocker for years. Faults if he can never come around. Um, never stood in the NBA how you can trade a guy for a 2025 draft pick, a first-round pick. Like, if you look at some of these trades, like 2027, and just, like, makes no sense. But only in the NBA do you seem to be able to trade first-rounders six years from now. So um, I'm not sure where that helps the Magic rebuild at this moment. But, um, yeah, for a team who the last two years has won their first-round, first-game playoff series and then just rolled four straight they just yeah seem to be the perennial seven eight seed in the eastern conference playoffs with a 500 record so hopefully something changes there it's complete roster overhaul heading into next year so i'm excited to see what happens with them but again they're just young and in a league where there's a lot of teams in the east better than them i feel like it's not a bad time to kind of reset the roster because you know in three four years maybe your time can come where these teams are kind of fading out and I'm thinking more like the Nets 76ers Celtics of of the Eastern Conference so that's my outlook on them um and I say some people are like baffled as to how I cheer for the Orlando Magic but like I said Shaq and Penny NBA Jam it's like Sean Kemp and Gary Payton. Just those two teams, you're like unstoppable. You just have the shooter and then just Duncan. So that's how I became a Magic fan. Stand with them. The big Dwight Howard guy. I was actually at a game in Philadelphia when Dwight Howard was with the Lakers. And I thought about trying to get my Magic jersey signed. But it was just Bedlam, Kobe playing in his hometown. It was no chance, but... Guy can always dream. Guy can always dream. So now we can bounce to my teams that are slightly more promising. So start in the old hockey world, my Oilers. They are definitely taking advantage of the easier North Division. I mean, they haven't lost to the Senators this year. They boast the two top scoring players in the league. Nurse has more goals than any other defenseman. Barry's playing fantastic. Nuge is playing fantastic. We're getting a lot out of Pulley RV. Mike Smith. It's like the things the Oilers need to succeed because they just can't keep riding the coattails of McDavid and Dreisaitl. It's just not sustainable. I mean, you look at a lot of teams and their one-two punch if one of those guys goes down, but I mean the Oilers are truly fucked. You know, they can withstand a little bit, but heading into the playoffs and stuff, they're going to have to really figure this out. I think the trade deadline, I'd be interested to see if they add a little piece. Said to a few friends, they need to find a way when they do need to break up McDavid and Dreisaitl, a guy to play there. So I float out the idea of Bobby Ryan. I mean, he's a pretty low rental. Kenny Holland and Stevie Y have that friendship. We could ship you know a sixth or seventh round pick in a 
Gaton Haas type guy to just offset some salary there. I've got another guy on an expiring UFA. But it's kind of kind of tough when you don't have a lot of cap space there to to make moves. So lots of lots of talk about who the Oilers should and shouldn't get, but it seems like the four teams in the North Division are spoken for just how they're going to seed. So um, I'm okay with the Oilers standing pat too. There's some money coming off the books in the offseason, some money that's going to probably have to come onto the books. So it's one of those things where I think it's best you stand pat, see where things go. If you can add a top six forward into the piece, I say in a perfect world if James Neal could ever figure it out, but... Uh, it's like trades you think you win and lose. I like to joke, everyone says how bad the haul for Larson trade was, which, I mean, it wasn't great. I wish the Oilers would have got more, but you look, Taylor Hall's on his now third team since that trade, and Adam Larson has more goals than him right now. So is Adam Larson a better player? No, but he does have more fucking goals than Taylor Hall right now. So let's just point that out. And the king's ransom that somebody's going to pay for Halsey too is... I just got a feeling he's going to the Leafs. The Islanders now with Lee out play a factor, but it's just these, like, people ask what it would take if the Oilers were to take get Hall and, like, Koskinen would have to go the other way. So the Oilers would basically be throwing all their eggs in the Smith basket. Um, but I honestly don't want the fucking guy. He's selfish. I swear Buffalo signed him. You look, they're awful. They're winning the draft lottery. That would make the guy, like, 6 for 12. So, I mean, yeah, personally, I just think the Oilers stand pat, add a little piece, a little rental piece, you know, third line forward, third line center, something like that. But for the most part, they're playing not bad. They just got to get some more consistent play out of kind of the other depth guys. So we'll see. We'll see. It's a good week ahead. They're losing games to COVID, so... I felt like they had a couple games on everybody in that division and they're actually kind of finally starting to to get back so you have a better idea of where where you're at in the standings when you don't have so many games in hand because you speculate, you know, when teams played four less games than you, you speculate, well, if they win all these games, they're at this point, but if they lose all their games, then in, in the same point. So I think it's difficult for teams to kind of navigate the standings sometimes because... <laughs> you do get a little lost in the shuffle there. So sounds like Vancouver's not going to be playing for a while with all the COVID cases, but it's kind of the first time the North Division's had to deal with it this year. So it's odd that it's two cities on the opposite ends of the country, but it uh, hopefully will get figured out. I'd be interested to see how it pans out with Vancouver having so many guys out. I mean, they're probably not playing for at least a week. So... I mean, if Vancouver's out of it, how do they do the scheduling and gaming um, if it does come with the standings? Because they've already pushed the season back, so it's kind of hard to further push the season back. So, But, I mean, I'm excited about the Oilers. I'm happy, I'm happy to see the way they're playing. I think they would be a, a playoff team still had they had the regular divisions. I feel like they they would be one of those top teams. So... Um, yeah, it's it's promising time for the Oilers. I think they have a lot of good young D-men coming up that they're going to have to figure out who who they can ship out and and whatnot with the expansion draft. I mean, what are they doing with Clefbaum? Going to have to re-sign Barry, so are they going to 
have to make a trade to move somebody out. You got got guys that are UFAs. Are you just going to kind of let those guys walk and free up that money and have faith in your young guys? I'm not too sure what old Kenny's got planned, but it's actually nice to have a competent GM running your team because the others have seriously fucking lacked that. So this next up, we'll touch, touch base on my Chelsea. They uh, hadn't lost a game under their new manager until yesterday when they got blown out by shitty West Brom. But um, they play their Champs League quarterfinal against Porto this week, so I think the boys might have just been looking a little past that. And when you haven't lost under a new manager, the well's going to break eventually. So I figure best it breaks against West Brom than Porto. So Chelsea's kind of... It's been weird changing of the guard. They're kind of learning learning their lesson because, I mean, the team Chelsea could have right now would be absolutely ridiculous if they would have just kept guys when they're younger. So I feel like they've learned that lesson and they're moving forward with this young guys, the youth movement kind of, the Mason Mounts and Callum Hudson-Odoi's of the world and then just signing young guys like Pulsic and Werner and Zayek you know it's kind of a a different different way about going things for Chelsea so I'm excited they're fourth right now um they got a game on West Ham but uh eight games to go they're sitting in the Champions League spot they uh I'm really sick of fucking Kappa you know I mean Mendy got lit up yesterday but I'm hoping they transfer that guy out in the uh in the summer and just get rid of him. He's just lousy, lousy attitude, lousy teammate, just lousy. Don't have time for those guys on your roster, but we'll see. They've been uh, possessing the ball well, things I like to see. They're getting scoring by committee. It's not just one guy you're relying upon week after week after week. So um, they got a well-rounded attack. They don't have one go-to scoring guy they need, which can... Sometimes um, not be the greatest, but again, they have such a variety of lineups that they can throw at you right now that some guys just don't get in on a consistent enough basis to kind of make that impact. So, it uh, yeah, it's big this week. Definitely like their draw through the Champs League. I mean, if you're looking at <coughs> the three biggest threats. I mean, PSG, City, and Bayer Munich are those three teams for sure. So, in fact, PSG and Bayer are playing in this quarterfinal and then, you know, would have to play Man City before we would. I'm honestly hoping for Real Madrid. I just want to send Hazard packing in the Champs League. It's a big fan of that guy until just, you know, I don't, I don't know why players have to take such digs at fans, whether they're shitty or not. I mean, if you don't like playing for a team, you don't like playing for a team. Just want Real Madrid, take them out, then go from there. Because I figure really Chelsea's only chance of beating a PSG or Bayern Munich would be in a one-game final. Both teams, they're just simply better than Chelsea. So, I mean, you take a one-game coin flip and you hope for the best, right? So, uh, last team we're going to touch on is my Philly Philly Phillies. It's opening weekend, um, the Jays won two or three, so I mean, a lot of Jays fans will be excited, but Philly sweeping the Braves is just, 
it's great. I always like beating the Braves, period. But um, it's a good statement to start the season for the Phils. I mean, a lot of people are overlooking them, and understandably so. They've been a bit of a disappointment the last couple of years. So, um, you know, when you got those expectations, you got to start to perform or you're really going to take the the brunt of things. So to kind of get that sweep to start the year was nice. It's still a long ways to go in the season, but a couple of good pitching performances by our aces, and then you get another one today. So um, it was nice to see a game where they bullpen kind of came into play, uh, even today, you know. So uh, overall on paper, I mean, the Phillies look good. They got a good offense. I was so thankful they re-signed JT. I mean, that was, if there was a priority in the offseason, that was definitely it. Um, Didi's catch on opening day, oh my, like, that guy's just a vacuum at short, like, he's so overlooked, I mean, yeah, the guy's not the biggest superstar with the bat, but you look at that play of the game, that's, that's huge, that's huge, you know, so, um, hoping the Phillies are by committee this year, they got a couple of young guys, they're putting their faith in that have both come up so far so good early. So, I mean, you really just kind of wait and see with this club. The NL East is really tough this year. Lindor getting re-signed for 10 years was no bueno to the Mets, you know. I mean, every team's got a bona fide superstar on their team. So it's hard. it's it's going to be a grind these next, you know. Get a lot of good players signed in this division to long-term deals, so I'm interested to see how it pans out, but getting three wins in the division right off the hop is huge because with all the talent in the NL East, I feel like that's that's where the division is really going to get decided is that one team who maybe separates themselves with a better division record than the rest, so... But, I mean, other than that, that's kind of my opening take. I wanted to do a little touching on uh, on Canada's hockey roster, but kind of just wanted to get a first episode in, so maybe next week I can throw in my two cents about who I think's making Team Canada, U.S. hired their staff this week, so maybe I can take a little stab at Team USA as well. And just looking ahead at the week, you got the final four. Final tomorrow. Another week in the chell. And just baseball, football. It's always got to be news. Something will be happening in the football world. Waiting for those last of the free agents to sign. God knows the Bengals ain't signing any of them. Hopefully get a little more clarification on the Watson case. And yeah, just this and that from around the uh, sporting world. So, side note, happy to see Jordan Spieth finally get a win on the tour again. Not too sure what happened to that guy, but golf is a fickle game. And uh, yeah, he's kind of been through the ringer, go from basically a guy who couldn't lose a tourney to just not winning tourneys. So I saw that it was his first tourney win since 2017. So happy to see him get back on track, but... Aside from that, that's kind of a wrap on the first episode. So for those who do listen, I hope you enjoy. And next week we're going to get a guest host on. 
one of my buddies and uh, we'll get chatting about his squads and how he's feeling about where his teams are at and we'll go from there. So till next week, stay safe out there. Don't get too dusty. Oops.